Welcome to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz. This show is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. I would like to thank Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. And Daiwa, they've got your bass covered. This week on the program, on the first segment, Robert Woods, who is the product manager for Seven Reels, a St. Croix company, is going to tell us about the new reels that they're coming out with. The baitcasters are here now, spinning reels and saltwater coming later. Then I'm going to talk to outdoors writer, outdoors man, Dale Bowman, who writes for the Chicago Sun-Times. Dale's going to give us some insight on being a sports writer. And then John Hoyer, NWT championship winner. Not only that, he won the Progressive Angler of the Year title also. At the same time, finishing out the season as the winner, that qualified him as AOY. What a feat, won over 200,000. We'll hear what John has to say about that. But first, this segment is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Dan Johnson's uh, given up his uh, his week again and has somebody punting for him. I don't think that's going to be a bad thing. We have product manager Robert Woods on from St. Croix. But we're not talking about the best rods on earth. We're talking about St. Croix's new seven reels, aren't we, Robert? Yes, we are. Yeah, they got the product that came out, um, I believe, at this time. Baitcasters are out. Spinning reels are coming uh, let's talk a little bit about that. What what can you tell me about these reels? Yeah, so uh, this journey started a, quite a few years ago. Um, we were posed the question whether or not uh, Saint Croix belonged to in the real market, um, and it was a it was a definite yes. But uh, we took a little different path. Um, you know, we we ended on the, the seven name, um, and from there we decided that uh, what what it meant most in year one to launch and we obviously wanted to do you know multi-species spinning reels um salt water and then the, the bass market as well with our gf casting reels so year one here you're looking at four different models you have the gf casting reel um gs spinning reel in freshwater gx series as well in freshwater and then our gsw saltwater series and uh as you stated earlier, on the market now is our GF casting reel already. Um, nice little hundred-size casting reel. Uh, biggest feedback we get on that is its castability and ease of use. Um, spent a lot of time looking at what is most important on a casting reel um, for the everyday angler, and that was you know ease of use. Uh, so we put Japanese uh, bearings on the spool shaft and a magnetic cast control and a couple little adjustments, and this thing is an absolute little rocket. So... And that's available now. Yeah, and you, and you want to have a uh, a casting reel that you can adjust because uh, and there might be some listeners out there that only use spinning equipment, but you adjust the uh, the reel for the weight of the bait so that uh, you don't get backlashes or you can get the maximum uh, castability out of it uh, and and have it perform the way you'd like to. So uh, never be afraid of buying a bait cast reel. If you haven't used one, have somebody show you how to use it, and you and you'll be you need to be trained how to use it a little bit, but not necessarily for really light baits like a spinning uh, setup. The casting is for heavier baits, 
and not a hook, a bobber, and a sinker uh, fishing for panfish, right? You're right. Yeah, you, def- you definitely want to want to get people into the right equipment. But for throwing um, like a lipless crankbait or a jig or a frog or a buzzbait or a spinnerbait, there is nothing else you can really use but or should use than but a casting reel. Right. So, so do you... Um, do you know the when the spinning reels are coming out? You said the casting are available right now. Is it is it still uh, a couple months or a few months away? Yep, we're looking at uh, January second. The spinning reels will be available on the on the freshwater side. Okay, with our saltwater offering coming out in February. Okay, yeah. So they're uh, they're gonna they're gonna be coming out, and they'll have the options for to to see that. So. You know, I'm in the upper Midwest, like St. Croix is up in northern Wisconsin. We're going to have ice on the water then. Are any of the spinning rod models small enough to put on an ice rod? Yes, we do have 750 and 1000s. And I know there's a contingent of anglers out there that, uh, especially the pike and the walleye guys, that'll use up to a 2 or 25 even. So um, the 750 and 1000 definitely is for that market. Good, good. Yeah, and, and that's uh, hopefully we have a better ice season than we had last year. So there is a possibility for those that aren't heading south for the winter to, to use these, uh, even if it's through the ice. Right. Well, good, good. Is there, um, like most, there's line recommendations on there, what size lines they should use um, uh, and that type of thing. How about uh, for braid? Are, are they braid ready or do you have to put back any yep. of these? Yep, these are braid ready. If you don't wish to use backing, we do have the um, rubberized braid band on the spool for both of our freshwater series. Um, so no backing required. Okay, but you know, in many cases and applications, you don't need to fill a spool with braid. Uh, do you have a preference? Do you normally use a backing? I I normally use a backing, and just for that reason, that way I don't have to burn through. You know, on a twenty five hundred size, I don't have to use two hundred yards of of braid. I can put some backing on there and, and fill up the spool a little bit and then, then apply the braid. Absolutely. Uh, you talked about the bearings on the, on the casting uh, and uh, some of the componentry there. How about on the spinning? Yeah, so the GS series, um, that's going to have a 6 plus 1 bearing system in it. You're going to get uh, a very unique design with both of our spinning reels, something that we actually designed in-house here in Park Falls. Um and then you're going to get a precision hobbed hard brass pinion and die cast helical drive gear. Um, one thing we put emphasis on is the line lay on the spool as well. Um, that will help to increase casting. So we use the, what we call the S curve slow oscillation system. It just allows that spool to, to oscillate a little bit slower up and down. Um, and that's on the GS series, the GX series, um, very similar platform, a little bit lighter weight. Both reels are carbon. Um, and then you're going to bump up to a 10 plus one bearing system on the GX series. And like I mentioned, a little bit uh, lighter weight, but you also gain a high strength titanium bear, bale wire, which is resistant to bending. Yeah, and that's important because that also, if that bale wire gets bent, um, it's hard to get that line put on the spool so that it comes off properly no matter what the engineering. So that that's probably wasn't a hard choice to go to a titanium. Right. No, that makes a difference. It uh, definitely makes it uh, better. And and the salt waters are coming out. How far after the spinning? After the uh, ca- uh, the uh, fresh water? Uh, February fifteenth. You'll see the the salt water offering hit the market. Okay. And what sizes are those? 
We have a three, a four, a six, and an 8,000. And these are dedicated saltwater reels, you know, die cast aluminum bodies, fully sealed and gasketed, six plus one bearing systems. Um, a lot of emphasis on the drag, uh, not only smooth drag, but having enough power for the saltwater market. And, but still, I think with saltwater, uh, most uh, anybody who's fished it before, you definitely take care of those reels when you come back in and uh, wash them off and wipe them down with fresh water so that you can get any residue because there's all kinds of salt that gets on those, isn't there? Oh, absolutely. Very, very important part of the puzzle is taking care of your equipment, especially in salt. Yeah, yeah, and uh, so that'll be something for the guys to look forward to, and ladies that fish, whether it's surf or out of a boat and using the, the spinning gear uh, for the saltwater after February 15th, and then the first of the year or second of the year, they'll be able to see the uh, freshwater spinning, and right now the castings are out and available at a lot of uh, places, a lot of stores across the country have them in, and uh or you can check them out on St. Croix's website and see what they what they uh, have to offer. And uh, uh, it's better to get your hands on one and walk in somewhere and, and touch it and feel it. And so you, the first time you see a product, I think that's good advice. What do you think? I, I completely agree. Yeah, you got to be able to uh, to look at it, make a decision, and then get out and, and use it and work. And I uh, truly appreciate your time and... Uh, you know, Robert, that's uh, get a little insight on the new seven reels from St. Croix. And uh, appreciate you filling in for Dan. I'm sure uh, he appreciates it, too, because he has not missed many of these. And he, he, he kind of holds it tight to his, his vest. But uh, thank you for your time, Robert. He, he absolutely does. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, no problem. That was Robert Woods, product manager from St. Croix. I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast, and this segment is always brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. The We Fish ASA podcast will be right back. Probably one of the number one questions I get, you know, what line do I use? That's a big debate. For every tour out there, everybody's debating. Which line? I choose the simple side. My choice of line is Sunline. And my favorite lines to use is Sunline. How all can you use it? Anywhere you want to. Anywhere there's water and bass, it's good. Walleye, catfish, trout, speckled yeah, trout, ready. sharks. There we go. Uh, I don't say this unless I think it's true, but honestly, it's the best in the market. Daiwa, MAG4Z, similar in design to our SV system. Reels with MagForce Z excel when it comes to casting control while fishing bigger, heavier baits. Our standard reels have a fixed rotor on the spool, meaning the braking pressure is consistent across the entirety of the cast. MagForce Z incorporates a spool that has a dynamic rotor that can adjust out and back from the spool. This gives you maximum control and casting precision. Daiwa. For over 75 years here at St. Croix, we believe every angler deserves the best fishing experience possible, in being equipped and prepared for the moment opportunity strikes. You can only provide control if you are in control. Our legacy is being written every day, with decisions today determining our successes tomorrow. We value contributions and successes of all individuals, protecting and preserving the things that matter most, taking care of people like family, the persistent pursuit of perfection, St. Croix.
Welcome back to the Weefish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz, and this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. I always like to say everybody that I have on this segment has a passion for the outdoors. My next guest certainly does, not just participating in the outdoors, but writing about it. He's been on the program before. Welcome back, Dale Bowman. I'm glad to be back. Thank you. Oh, no problem. You uh, you do a lot of, lot of things in the outdoors, and you get to write about them, and then you also get to write about other people's experiences. Is that almost like you're living it through these other people when you don't get to participate yourself? I don't know. That's a good, you know what? I don't think I've ever been asked that. I don't have a good answer for that. <laughs> I say I, I value other people's stories because if you or I are telling a story, we have certain patterns that we'll use in telling it. Whereas yep. other people have a different pattern. And so you kind of get a new story each time or a new system. I think, at least I think anyway. Yeah. And a different feel for it as they explain it yes. and, and tell the, tell what they, they've done. Um, a lot of people don't realize, you know, being a, a, a writer in the Chicago market, how many people really participate in this sport? They think, oh, that's a big city. There can't be that many people that are fishing and hunting and enjoying the outdoors. But there are tens of thousands, probably hundreds of thousands. Hundreds, hundreds of thousands, yes. That is right. In the Chicago area, there's hundreds of thousands that are fishing. Uh, hunting, I, I've never been able to get a, a good number. I can make a pretty good guess that it's probably in the 50,000 range if you include the uh, probably that's probably low. Yeah, yeah. I not have I've not put a good number together on hunting numbers. No, but the fishing the, they participate here and they do things downtown on the lakefront. They do things at park district facilities, conservation uh, areas. There is a lot of opportunities and a lot of wild spaces in the uh, Chicago land market, isn't there? There is, and the other thing about the Chicago land market, and actually you're kind of a pretty good example of this, is it's. One of the reasons that shows have been here a lot is people from here travel. I mean, going to Canada is almost a tradition for half the market, a quarter of the market. Um, You know, going to Michigan, going to Indiana waters, going to Kentucky, to Wisconsin, to Michigan, you know, those things all matter. And so, I mean, it's more than just, you know, the seven or nine county area. So. Yeah, it really is, and and uh, uh, the, the people have a passion for it, and, and people relocate for work here or whatever the case may be, and they've come from other places, and uh, they bring that passion with them. Uh, as a writer, is there a, a story in your mind that, that sticks out as something that you never would have thought you would have written about, or you, have, you probably have a, a dozen favorites? I have favorites. One of my favorites was hogging on Wren Lake or, or, uh, there's other names for it where it's free. You hand fishing for catfish, generally, uh, flatheads or, or channel catfish. And that was an unbelievable experience. I mean, first of all, because we had a monster fish within the first five minutes and I had allotted two days to do the story and we had our picture <laughs> fish and story within five minutes. I mean, so, uh, we ended up, Getting, I ended up getting a 50-pounder hogging, and I mean, it was just, that was nice in and of itself. That would have been a good story, but it was the people that I was with. Uh, there was a reformed alcoholic, and 
who just had incredible stories, but he was a completely different guy. I mean, he had a had a Bible in his uh, windshield, and it wasn't like you know some people make a show of that stuff. This wasn't a show. That Bible was tattered. When he was telling, we were driving around. He was telling stories of his life, and you know, I could see why he that Bible was tattered. And he was raising his daughter, and and it was just fascinating. I mean that. The, the whole crew we were with was just, uh, uh, they were good old boys, but they were more than that. I mean, they're, good old boys tends to be a put down if you're saying it from our end of the state. I, I meant that in a very good sense. They enjoyed the outdoors and stuff, but they were also very smart and adept at what they did in life and in the outdoors. Yeah, things like that are interesting, and, and, and that that's a good one. I think, I think that's good. Uh, uh, media today and and being a writer or a content producer, boy, how has it changed since you got into it? How many years have you been doing it and how different is it today? I, I think I've been the 27th as the Sun Times outdoors columnist. And, and boy, that's, that's, I mean, you could do a, a doctorate thesis on the answer to that question. <laughs> I, I still, re- I mean, put it this way, when I started, I remember about a year in, my wife goes, you should get an email. And my response was, what the hell for? Yeah. And she goes, so people can get a hold of you. And I go, they know how to get a hold of me. <laughs> but she would, now it's, you know, I forget how many, plat- you know, I'm on Twitter, uh, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And they're just vital tools. You know, people can reach out to me with story tips or ideas. And, and it just, I mean, it's, the word you use there, content producer, that's that's what my job is now. I like to think of myself as a newspaper man, but but the reality is I'm a content producer. And I, I think you're, you're well aware of that, too. I mean, you're across multiple platforms in what you do. So Yeah, it, and it's fun, and it's, but, but it's not like, I, I don't think there's any young kids that would come to somebody who's written a column for 27 years anymore i i think 10 or 15 years ago 20 years ago hey i want to do the job that you're doing but that has evolved to be something totally different than what you started to to do to the point that they know how to do this because they've been on their phone since they were three years old (laughs) yes and and it's instinctual for them being on my phone is well i've been doing it long enough that it's kind of instinctual but not like a kid is i mean i still have questions i go to my teenagers and 20-somethings for to get the answer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you have to be. reality of life. It is, because they know how to do these things, and um, they don't watch a TV, or they don't watch, uh, they, you know, half of these kids would never know what a a landline was, or uh, can you imagine (laughs) if they saw a phone booth somewhere? (laughs) We... We were on, it's funny you say that, we were on vacation and we actually saw a phone booth and we thought it was like a museum piece, but it was an actual phone booth. I forget where it was, what city, and we made a point of looking at it so that they could see the actual phone sitting inside. <laughs> that is crazy, isn't it? That 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 yeah. things like that, how things have evolved and gone away. But what hasn't gone away and evolved is the thrill to go fishing, to be outdoors, to experience everything that you get to. Uh, and you and I have had the pleasure uh, a couple of times sharing a boat and having having a good time. And that feeling doesn't change at all. No, and uh, the 
the vehicle for telling the story has evolved greatly. I mean, virtually revolutionized over the last 30 years. But but what a story is, it should be something that educates you, should be something that grips you or grabs you, how whatever medium you're working. And that's, that's the bottom line is you want to have a, a helpful story and you want to have something that's entertaining and, and gripping, at least in my opinion. Yeah, you want them to read it and then they, you want them to think about it or maybe create questions or make create the desire to go and duplicate that themselves. Yes, perfectly put. Yeah, that's that that's uh, uh, it, it's fun. I mean, I'm doing the podcasting, doing the YouTubing. I never have doing the writing for for Fishing Tackle Retailer Magazine. I never thought of that I would be doing something like this. And and really, I've only done it about eight years, but it has been a blast. It's been fun and uh, uh, have enjoyed following uh, your uh, journey with the Sun-Times for a long time and enjoy that. And uh, it, I truly appreciate your time, Dale, and uh, and your company when we're in a boat together. I uh, We always have a good time. We do. And uh, and part of that is we end up telling stories and, and I also end up learning actual stuff from you that I can use too. So well, that's always good, and it won't be the last time we get in uh, the boat together, and it won't be the last time that I uh, ask you to come on the We Fish ASA podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you. No problem. That was Dale Bowman. I am Dave Kranz. This segment of the We Fish ASA podcast was brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel. For those with a passion for the outdoors, we will be right back after these messages. Calcutta Outdoors. From bluegill to bluefin, Calcutta Outdoors has the innovative outdoor recreational brands that consumers are looking for. We offer a wide range of trusted products, from fishing rods, combos, and tackle to coolers, drinkware, outdoor apparel, and marine accessories. Calcutta Outdoors. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn-out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it. Daiwa. Our SV system is made with one thing in mind, casting control. The design of the spool as well as how the spool interacts with the braking system gives maximum control and ease of use when it comes to situations people might generally struggle with. Whether it's casting lightweight baits, skipping pitching, casting into the wind, or even if you're just getting accustomed to a bait casting reel, SV is designed to help you excel. When set properly, SV reels virtually eliminate backlashes. Daiwa. Welcome back to the Wheatfish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz, and this segment is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. My next guest he just had a phenomenal year. NWT Championship winner and Progressive Angler of the Year winner. Welcome to the program, John Hoyer. Thank you very much, Dave, for having me back. Oh, no problem. Uh, this is your second championship in a, in a row, and I think you're the only one to ever win both Angler of the Year and win the championship. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. They, they kind of keep telling me stuff like that. First time back-to-back, first time AOI and championship winner. So, yeah, definitely new water for myself. 
Absolutely, I think it's I think it's great, and I definitely would. Am I remembering right that you also have won a muskie tournament? Uh, yeah, I won a couple of those for sure. Maybe yeah. three of them. Yeah, I'm, and and uh, so so you're not only fishing for walleyes or fishing for muskie. I mean, you're an all around angler, and uh, I I think it's great. So when the season started and you saw the schedule, did you have an idea that you could go and win the angler of the year? Well, when the season started and they released the schedule, they also released the notification that for the first time ever, instead of basically $8,000 going to AOI and a trophy, now there's a Ranger 620 um, for the AOI winner. So did I think I could win it? No, but was I a lot more interested in, you know, in essence, being a little more conservative, keeping the fish when I needed to because AOI represented a boat? A hundred percent I was. Yeah, because that added another uh, close to ninety thousand dollars to uh, to the year if you could accomplish that. For sure. Yep. No, that's that's uh, pretty crazy. And uh, uh, is there a technique that that you use throughout the season that that helped you, or did you just have to adapt everywhere that you went? You know, we started in the end of March, so you know, definitely different techniques. Um, you know, once it was summertime. Obviously, a lot of us uh, have gotten very versatile with forward-facing sonar. So, you know, once those fish are out deeper, they are a lot easier to see. They react to high-action baits like glide baits or heavier jig heads and stuff. So, you know, the summer tournaments are have been when I've done the best. But, you know, the season started, I literally caught a unicorn in the first 10 minutes at Spring Valley. Uh, a five-pounder there is like the equivalent of a, 12 pounder on the great lakes and that really kind of set the tone for the year um, where i ended up in fourth place and without that fish you know i could have been in 60th place so you know as the season went on i think that was a fifth place finish the next one was winnebago i survived that with 30th just out of the money francis case a summertime tournament um i got fourth or fifth there and then Sault Ste. Marie, I took fourth. So, yeah, there was, like, a number of really key fish catches, especially at Winnebago and in Fran- at Francis Case, South Dakota. You know, both of those tournaments are no-call tournaments. Okay. So, you know, caught one right when I needed it or kept a little two-pounder because it was the end of the day, and, you know, lo and behold, I took fifth place or whatever. So just a, just a season of good fortune and – a clear head to make those decisions to keep, you know, maybe not the five pounder you're looking for, but you kept the three and a half uh, because you knew that AOI was you're in contention and it was an important fish. And like all those decisions obviously were the right ones in hindsight when I ended up winning. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, that's hard to think through it. And uh, whether you fish bass or musky or walleye or crappie catfish, whatever you're doing at a competitive level, so many people, do not realize the mental aspect of this game. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and I mean, I think a lot of that too. You can add on to that for myself, especially is like the physical, um, you know, characteristics of a successful angler. You know, being fit, eating the right stuff in camp, being mentally focused 
getting enough sleep, being mentally focused come tournament time. I mean, when you go out through the whole season, if you have one bad day on the National Wildlife Tour, tour you're not winning Angler of the Year. It's, it's just that competitive. Yeah, and it's and it, I think it's gotten more and more competitive. You mentioned the forward-facing sonar. I, I I know there's a lot of controversy on that on the bass uh, area of right now. But do there's times though that I think people have to realize this isn't the cure-all to everything because you can find fish that don't want to open their mouths, can't you? A hundred percent. And, you know, one of the biggest secrets in forward-facing sonar is not getting married to that fish that doesn't open its mouth. You know, once you get the right mindset and realize that, you know, there's fish all over this flat or this point, and you just give them one, maybe two casts, and then even if it is that 10-pound walleye, it's not in the right mood, and you're wasting your time. It's time to move on. So, um <clears throat> Yeah, the controversy you're talking about is really kind of funny in my mind because, um, you know, I could sum it up, especially with some of those other bass anglers, um, you know, guys that haven't evolved with the technology. It's like I could take you out for eight hours and I would bet you my boat that you would not be against forward-facing sonar because you would be having the most fun you've ever had in fishing. So (laughs) regardless of where it goes, um, you know, I don't care. I'm going to change with whatever rules or however the sport changes. That's fine. There's always going to be change, but, um, there is one simple thing I will never back down from it. And it's that fact right there. It is so much fun. Yeah. To, to know they're there. And, and I guess you could relate it to people say they shouldn't have tournaments during bed tournaments because you can see those big fish down in Florida on the beds and you know, that's a 10 or 12 pound fish or at least a double digit fish. And it's there yet. That doesn't make them bite. Oh, not even close. No, no. It, it's, uh, you embrace the technology or you don't embrace the technology. I know there, there's some that are s- still doing well without it, but they, uh, they, they'll use it for some tournaments, not use it for others. And uh, I, I, what's coming down the, you know, next? What, what else are we going to have? The, the technology gets better. The equipment gets better. The boats get faster. Uh, uh, you know, there's just so many different things. The lines get better. The baits get better. Um, is there more people using uh, artificial lures now on the walleye trail than ever? Or you still see some live bait? Yeah, I mean, I was, I didn't, I mean, other than a night crawler for a down rod or something, until the championship, I hadn't used a single piece of, of live bait in a tournament. Um yeah, again, like, you want fast, instant gratification, soft plastic, glide bait. You know, that's how I fish. I fish very quickly now. And, um, you know, the old times or adages of having the liveliest live bait and, you know, light line and all that stuff. I mean, yeah, you can still fish like that, but I don't think we're going to see your name in the top ten a lot, you know, if you're literally sitting around waiting for fish to bite. There is greener pastures just around the corner like all the time yeah and i think that light line issue a lot of people give these fish too much credit uh to where they yes they you can catch them that way but i think when the fishing is tough it's tough whether you are using braid or whether you're using very light line there's times you just won't get bit yeah for sure and that's really a lot of the fun associated forward facing sonar i mean it's behavior like that. It's looking at these fish. Oh my gosh, they are not biting. And then just like looking around and be like, oh, well, the water temp did drop five degrees and the wind's blowing out of the east. This is when we used to think they weren't biting, but now I can see they're not biting. 
And, oh, they're actually all laying on the bottom. They were suspended yesterday in the bright sun and warm. Okay, so, like, all the other things are watching how fish relate to current on the Great Lakes is, like, mind-blowing. Um, all stuff we had pictures of in our head, but now the fact that we get to witness that, there's so many things to learn from being able to, like, verify that those fish, you know, are, in fact, walleyes, and there they are on the structure. Look at how they're sitting. It's so cool. I like what you're saying. It's, a, it's an educational tool that is teaching us more about fishing, no matter what species. For sure. Absolutely. Well, I've got to take a quick commercial break, and then we'll come back with more John Hoyer, and we'll talk about your sponsors and uh, upcoming uh, ambitions after a phenomenal year. Uh, I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast. We'll be right back. You know, when I look at the tournaments I've won, probably four or five of the boats that I've won have been on a tube. But I had completely gotten away from flipping a tube because nobody, nobody made one soft enough. Big Bite has come with this new tour series of baits. The thing that's probably the most unique is when you look at that bait, the salt just rolls out of it. And to me, that is the reason a fish bites a tube and hangs on to it. This isn't one of those, let's go out and catch some smallmouth tube. This is a let's get it done tube. St. Croix, crafting the best rods on earth takes a team effort. Takes a lot of hands to produce a St. Croix fishing rod, 32 to be exact. Every rod we manufacture is carefully crafted, assembled, and tested by passionate professionals who want to ensure you have the best fishing experience possible. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Iowa, our SV system is made with one thing in mind, casting control. The design of the spool as well as how the spool interacts with the braking system gives maximum control and ease of use when it comes to situations people might generally struggle with. Whether it's casting lightweight baits, skipping, pitching, casting into the wind, or even if you're just getting accustomed to a bait casting reel, SV is designed to help you excel. When set properly, SV reels virtually eliminate backlashes. Daiwa. The We Fish ASA podcast is back. I am Dave Kranz, and once again, this is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. Welcome back, John Hoyer. Thank you very much. No problem. So you you had this phenomenal year. Um, we don't want to miss doing this either. Who keeps you on the water? Who are your sponsors? Uh, there is quite a few of them now. I'm sitting in my wrap truck here in this parking lot, <laughs> but if I have a visualization of what I all use, I can usually nail this. But um, Berkeley is one of my biggest sponsors. Pure, fi- uh, pure Fishing is, you know, generally, they, they own a lot of good fishing companies. But yeah. Berkeley, I use Abu Garcia Reels, Fenwick Rods, uh, Lorance Electronics I love and have used my entire life. I drive a Ranger boat with a 300 Mercury Pro XS on it. Uh, I have another, a few non-endemic sponsors. A new one this year was Greenbelt Beer. They're a Minnesota company that did a fishing giveaway in their bottles this year. And the second place prize was a fishing trip with myself. So um, I'm looking forward to doing that again next year. Uh, the Crush TV, who I hunt with, my dear friends, Lee and Tiffany McCoskey, and one of their Sponsors, Analogics is another one of mine. Uh, Costa Sunglasses, Wave Pro Seat Pedestals, Zipwake is 
the, in essence, trim tab system that I have on my Ranger boat. Uh, it's a must have, especially for the Great Lakes or anytime you have a really unbalanced load, I'm able to, you know, shift my boat around just like all the saltwater boats do. And let me think what else. Oh, uh, Dakota lithium. I literally said something on stage, didn't even think about it, but I was being honest. And it's the simple fact of, I think I've literally put as many miles on my trolling motor this year as I have on my big motor. And that's really a lot about how I practice nowadays is put that trolling motor on like seven or eight and literally just blow down a piece of structure. (laughs) And I don't need to catch every fish, but I definitely want to know how many are there. So just constantly turning with the head of that trolling motor, got it on eight. I'll slow down, catch one, sample the size, confirm what else is in the area, and move on. And um, I do that a lot in tournaments nowadays, too, especially on lakes, where I know what the right area looks like, what it looked like in practice, and I will continue to search for that until I find it. And the more time I can save looking for them, the more time I have to actually catch the fish I need, you know, to have a top five bag. So, yeah, if I missed one... <laughs> you did a pretty good job you probably got 99.9 percent of them and uh and that's great and if it comes to you feel free to shout it out but that that is uh Bass pro shops and cabela's excuse me there you go you got to include them too but that uh, as a, a professional fisherman the sponsors are so important and uh i think a lot of people don't realize how hard pros work to keep those sponsors do a good job for them it's a two-way street uh they they work very hard for them they are doing a marketing position and many times young anglers come up to you guys and they ask you know how do uh, you know how do i get sponsors and and the answer isn't catching more fish is it no it's not it's really about making those relationships and they'll stick with you your whole career so as the you know the tournament wins come and the higher finishes come you know you've already built a relationship and they already have kind of a set benchmark as far as like what nationally, what regionally recognized angler looks like? How much can they help them? What does a nationally recognized angler look like? What are his entry fees? We're going to help you with those. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of cool things that are kind of set in stone, and uh, it's it's a fun challenge, you know, the business side of the fishing industry, and uh, it's my favorite part, you know, working with the people from those companies. Yeah, that's excellent. And and uh, listen up to the, the kids in college and, and high school that want to uh, get into this game. He just gave you some really, really, really great advice. Have they released the schedule for next year yet, John? Yes, they have. And I just remembered one of my favorite sponsors is also Aquatraction, who does uh, custom boat for installs that beautiful foam i actually have a half inch of memory foam underneath all of it this year so it's literally like standing on a you know anti-fatigue mat all over my boat and it's the coolest looking ranger i feel that has ever been assembled with that aqua traction floor there you go and for people that don't realize what that does if you've been at a sports show and you come off a concrete floor and you walk into a booth that has that kind of padding underneath it that's what it feels like you can stand on it all day right exactly yeah that that's great so are you excited about next year's schedule where are you going yeah i am for sure um you know we start off on lake erie and those year classes i went there this spring and just trolled with some friends and did some casting and stuff but um there was a ton of like six to seven pounders last year so those will be seven to eight and a half pounders this year. And I mean, it literally makes up like 25% of the population. Yeah. You know, they obviously have a record number of walleyes in the lake right now. So 
you know, even a 50 fish day in the spring in cold water isn't uncommon. Hmm. Um, after that, we go back to Minnesota for the first time in a while, and we're going to be fishing out a red wing on the Mississippi River. And then we go to Green Bay in June, and we go to Sakakawea in, I believe, early August. And then the championship is somewhere where we haven't had it before. It's on the west side of Lake Huron, so south of Thunder Bay. Uh, basically, Saginaw Bay, Thunder Bay, Lake Huron is where the championship will be next year. Excellent. Excellent. And those are all places you're excited to go. But what's amazing about Lake Erie is you see the stats from the uh, Department of Natural Resources there, and you, they tell you that these schools are four miles long and a mile wide, and they have four to six pound fish in them. And that's crazy. Yeah. And I think it's funny. I realized if I was studied all the math and numbers of Lake Erie, because you can take something away from that and use it to a small body of water. But I think the general thing that I came up with is the fact that people hear like a hundred million or 200 million or 1 billion. And everybody hears those numbers and sees it on billboards for like the Powerball. Yeah. But they don't truly understand how many walleyes that actually is. <laughs> you know, and if you were to see a, a charter boat take a 10-man limit of eight-pounders out of Lake Erie, you might think that's absolutely atrocious. But it's because you, if you do the math, their take on Lake Erie, the sustainable harvest of a fishery generally, is 10% of the total population. Yeah. And... The normal number on Lake Erie population estimate was around 25 million. Right now, there's estimates of up to 250 million adult walleye, so over 16 inches in that lake. Wow. Basically, the limit could be 100 a person, and man literally could not put not even a scratch in that population in the next 10 years. And it's so phenomenal. I, I am I'm uh, 60, almost 65 years old, and I remember when Lake Erie was pretty much uh, dead, and it, and the, what they did with that body of water, and many bodies of water. When you cut off the pollution and you start doing what you're supposed to be doing with slot limits and that type of thing, phenomenal. Uh, don't ever think that these people in the fisheries and DNR for uh, game and fish aren't doing the right things. They they want the populations to be great, and they get them there, don't they? Yeah, for sure. No, it, it's that's all good. So you're looking forward to next year. You've got your sponsors. You've you're winding down. And is there a goal, a dream for next year? Are you thinking about it yet, or are you just trying to let this one sink in? Oh yeah, I haven't thought about that at all. <laughs> um, I didn't think I you mean, would no. because it's so close to this one. But uh, yeah, I mean, even like going forward, you know, obviously. I want to continue to be relevant in the fishing industry. Um, but, I mean, you yeah, had the angler of the year, and it's like, okay, I guess I've checked the available boxes. Um, you know, I always said my great peer and mentor and fishing tournament idol, Corey Sprengel, is like one of my best friends. And, you know, he has five national wide tour victories, and now I've been fortunate enough to have four. Yep. So, you know, he set the bar so high so early that, you know, I want to catch him in tournament wins. Which there you go. Five. So, like, that'll always be a goal, and I'm sure he'll probably win one next year, then it'll be six, but, you know, whatever. It's uh, it's something that keeps me motivated is to be, you know, in the same conversation as Corey because he has paved the way for us, and 
like I said, he's raised the bar so high. And not only just in tournament wins, but as an absolute true professional of the sport, he's a, a great person to look up to as a role model. Absolutely. Uh, John, I appreciate your time. I congratulate you again on the uh, NWT Championship and the Progressive Angler of the Year. Both phenomenal feats to get done and to get them done on the same year is amazing. And I wish you nothing but success for next year. Thank you so much, Dave. Oh, no problem. That was John Hoyer. I am Dave Kranz. The We Fish ASA comes to you every week. Looking forward to bringing you next week's episode. Thanks again to my guest for another great episode of the We Fish ASA podcast. Thank you, Robert Woods from St. Croix, Seven Reels, product manager, for giving us some insight on that. Dale Bowman, always a pleasure to talk to you. Outdoor writer extraordinaire from the Chicago Sun-Times. Appreciate it, Dale. And John Hoyer, you got to hear about his journey from the season and from the championship and angler of the year I'd also like to thank the sponsors of this program, Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors, St. Croix, the best rods on earth, and Iowa, they've got your bass covered. I'm looking forward to bringing you the We Fish ASA podcast next week. Until then, please take someone fishing to help grow our sport. professional angler Kevin Van Dam and people always ask me what's the best and easiest way to catch fish well that's simple keep our waterways clean and free of litter you know tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move pitch them in the trash do your part and join me visit keepamericafishing.org and pledge to pitch it